0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to EndoPod. For those of you who are new here, hello! My name is Regina Sumarli, and I'm a third year medical student. In today's episode, we are continuing on from last week with our endo series. Go check out last week's episode on gestational diabetes by Lewis if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Today, we are going to discuss a common condition called endometriosis. In this simplified version, we will cover what endometriosis is, the risk factors, the cause, the clinical presentation, differential diagnosis, management, as well as potential complications that may arise with this common condition. To start off, endometriosis is a common condition in which endometrial tissues that form the lining of the womb or uterus or endometrial-like tissue grow outside of the uterus into other pelvic organs, so it is growing outside of the intended location. In most of the cases, it is located within the pelvis, but can also rarely be found in other locations such as the lungs, umbilicus or navel, and skin. These lesions are affected by hormones and so endometriosis is a disease of reproductive age women. It usually affects 5-10% to of reproductive age women and is one of the most common reproductive system disease in women of reproductive age. In fact, it is the second most common female reproductive system disease after fibroids. How common this condition could be is still unclear because of its variable clinical presentation. Some women do not even show any symptoms of the condition, and about 20% of patients will improve spontaneously. In the other 80%, symptoms will be stable or gradually become more severe. Now we will move on to talk about the risk factors. There are a couple of risk factors that increase the chance of developing endometriosis These includes getting period at an early age, late menopause, late first sexual encounter, delayed childbearing, newly parity, any obstruction to the vaginal outflow due to abnormal food accumulation, female genital mutilation or anatomical defects, and the last but not the least is genetic factors So let's take a closer look so, just now I mentioned about late menopause. So, in women, their ovaries tend to stop producing hormones at around the age of 50. When this happens, women can no longer become pregnant, as the hormones required for egg production and pregnancy are no longer produced. If a woman reaches menopause later than usual, they are at an increased risk of developing endometriosis. Next, we have nulliparity. Newly nulliparity newly is when a woman has not given birth to a child. And then just now, I also mentioned about genetic factors. There has been an established link for genetic factors. Risk for first-degree relatives of women with severe endometriosis is six times higher than that for relatives of those that are unaffected. Moving on to possible causes of endometriosis, the cause of endometriosis itself is not yet fully understood, but it is thought that endometriosis may develop as a result of a combination of the following theories first is retrograde menstruation, in which endometrial cells flow backwards from the womb rather than leaving the body as a period Apart from this, endometrial cells can also spread via the bloodstream and the lymphatic system Lymphatics forms part of the immune system in the body It has been suggested that endometriosis tissue may be able to travel to distant sites such as lungs, eyes, and brain through the bloodstream or lymphatic system Next is metaplastic change Metaplastic change is when a cell that has divided into a specific type transforms into another type of cell In this case, cells in the pelvic and abdominal area can actually change into endometrial type cells This will then lead to endometriosis Not only that, environmental factors also have an important role to play These theories suggest that certain environmental toxins can affect the body's immune system and reproductive system and then cause endometriosis Immunological factors also play an important role in the formation of endometriosis. This is related to how the immune system deals with tissues, but allowing some to survive in some individuals and go on to cause endometriosis. The last but not the least, we have iatrogenic implantation. The word iatrogenic itself means that it is caused by a medical procedure or treatment. As the name suggests, iatrogenic implantation is related to post-surgical scars made via surgical cuts in the area between vagina and anus and at the abdominal region. Those sites are thought to be prime locations for implantation of endometrial cells that can spread from delivery or surgical procedures. It is important to remember that endometriosis is a relapsing or remitting condition, which means that the symptoms can get worse or improve at various times. Endometrial tissues typically respond in the exact same way as those in the womb They respond to cyclical, hormonal levels, and hence they grow and bleed at certain times of the cycle Common locations of endometriosis implants include pelvic organs, especially ovaries Ovaries are the most common site and are often affected on both sides of the body Other pelvic organs such as the fallopian tube, bladder, and cervix are other common sites for endometriosis implants Cervix is the lower part of the womb Next, we have peritoneum which is the lining of the abdominal cavity followed by organs out with the pelvis such as lungs or diaphragm extra pelvic organs are less commonly affected Implantation of endometriosis cells results in increased production of chemicals that cause swelling and pain nerve dysfunction, and altered anatomy, such as pelvic addition which can lead to infertility. How do they actually present? Well, people may present differently, but doctors should suspect endometriosis in women, including those aged 17 and under, when presenting with one or more of the following symptoms or signs. First is chronic pelvic pain. Pelvic pain lasting for 6 months or longer. Then, period-related pain, especially when the pain is affecting daily activities and quality of life Next, you have deep pain during or after sexual intercourse Period-related or cyclical gastrointestinal symptoms, in particular, painful bowel movement Period-related or cyclical urinary symptoms, in particular, blood in the urine or pain when passing urine As well as infertility in association with one or more of the above The problem with endometriosis is that clinical presentation is variable with some women experiencing severe symptoms and others having no symptoms at all One third of women with endometriosis do not have any symptoms at all and they may be diagnosed incidentally or during investigations for infertility The appearance or worsening of symptoms at the time of menstruation or just prior to it usually suggests endometriosis Symptoms typically settle during pregnancy and breastfeeding, but they return again when the next period begins. Symptoms almost always settle at the end with menopause. This once again highlights the role of hormones in the disease progression of endometriosis. Keeping a pain and symptom diary can aid discussion when endometriosis is suspected. So, what will the doctor do next once they think that a patient might have endometriosis? Well, after relevant history taking, doctors will often examine and use various investigation tools to confirm their diagnosis. Let's begin with the examination. Abdominal and pelvic examination should be offered to women with suspected endometriosis. This is to identify any abnormal mass in the abdomen and any pelvic signs that may point towards endometriosis. Pelvic signs include reduced mobility of organs within, enlargement or any painful lump at the end of the vaginal canal, behind the cervix, which is the lower part of the womb or any lesions that might be visible around the vagina. If a pelvic examination is not appropriate, doctors will usually offer abdominal examination to exclude abdominal mass. The diagnosis of endometriosis requires extensive patient history, physical examination as mentioned above as well as appropriate investigations. Usually. Doctors will initially offer a transvaginal ultrasound and diagnostic laparoscopy. So, what does those investigations entail? First, let's talk about transvaginal ultrasound. An ultrasound scan itself is a procedure that uses high frequency sound waves to create an image of part of the inside of the body. A small device that will be held by the doctor is called a probe, which will give off high frequency sound waves. You won't be able to hear the sound waves but when they bounce off different parts of the body, they create echoes that are picked up by the probe and turn into a moving image. Next, we have diagnostic laparoscopy. It is an operation which requires a small incision on the patient. Then a tube with a camera or laparoscope will be inserted into this incision to show the inside of the abdomen. We use this to diagnose patients suffering from endometriosis as we can directly have a look inside the body, as well as take a tissue sample or biopsy of the suspicious lesion. We have talked quite a bit about the clinical presentation, examination, and investigations of endometriosis. By now, we should be aware that different people suffering from endometriosis may present differently, and diagnosis of this disease may not be as straightforward. People presenting with the symptoms of endometriosis can be mistaken for other conditions such as adenomyosis, IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, diverticulitis, pelvic inflammatory disease or even interstitial cystitis. Due to the vast differential diagnosis, it is really important for doctors to use appropriate examinations and investigations in addition to relevant history taking to diagnose endometriosis. Moving on to management, the earlier the treatment is started, the better the long-term outcome the patient can get, particularly in regard to infertility and pain. 30 to 50% of women with endometriosis have infertility. An early referral to gynecology is the best way to maximize treatment effectiveness and fertility. Gynecologists are doctors who specialize in caring for the reproductive health of women. There are a few options for management of endometriosis including pharmacological pain management, so using medication, and surgical management. First, we will go through medical management for pain which encompasses analgesics or painkillers and hormonal treatment. Doctors will suggest short trials of painkillers, such as paracetamol or NSAIDs, such as ibuprofen. Or a combination of both as first-line management of endometriosis-related pain. If that is not adequate, they will then consider adding on neuromodulators or hormonal treatment. Hormonal treatment can help reduce pain and has no permanent negative effect on subsequent fertility. If it still does not work, or it is not to be used for any reason, the patient will then be referred to gynecologist. Next, we will explore the surgical options for managing endometriosis. Laparoscopic or keyhole surgery can be used to treat endometriosis. In addition to surgery for deep endometriosis involving bowel, bladder, or ureter, doctors may prescribe 3 months of gonadotropin-releasing hormone agonist before surgery. To prolong benefits of surgery and manage symptoms, hormonal treatments such as combined oral contraceptive pills may be used. Hysterectomy can also be done to manage endometriosis. Hysterectomy is when you surgically remove the uterus or womb. We tend to opt for surgical management if fertility is a priority. We tend to go for excision or ablation of endometriosis or ovarian cystectomy if it is affecting the ovary, as these improve the chance of spontaneous pregnancy. We also tend to not offer hormonal treatment to women with endometriosis who are trying to conceive because it does not improve spontaneous pregnancy rate. Before we finish off, it is important to remember that a few potential complications may arise with endometriosis, especially if it remains untreated. These include anemia, which is a condition when a person does not have the normal amount of red blood cells or the protein associated with it called the hemoglobin. Endometriosis can also increase the risk of ectopic pregnancy, which is when the fertilized egg implants outside of the womb and would not be able to develop into a baby ectopic pregnancies are prone to heavy bleeding Endometriosis may also lead to adhesion, strictures, and the narrowing of the womb Endometriosis is also associated with a slightly elevated risk of ovarian cancer To conclude, endometriosis is the most common reproductive system disorder in women of reproductive age as it is a hormone-sensitive condition The cause of endometriosis is not yet fully understood but it is important to keep in mind that it can occur as a result of retrograde menstruation as well as spreading via blood or the lymphatics Ovary is the most common site of endometriosis Patients may present differently with around one third of them showing no symptoms at all When diagnosing endometriosis, extensive history taking, abdominal and pelvic examination as well as investigations using transvaginal ultrasound and diagnostic laparoscopy are very important. The earlier the diagnosis and management of the endometriosis, the better the long-term outcome. Management can be pharmacological or surgical. In both approach, doctors should consider what the patient wants and the fertility implications that come with those treatments.